Hi, this is Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor at Wapak Naz. I want to welcome you to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope and pray that this message goes deep into your DNA, is encouraging, relevant to your life, a means for you to engage with God and experience His love, and moves you to impact your world. We at Wapak Naz believe firmly that you matter to God. We are glad that you are taking the risk to engage with Him today. Wapak Naz is love people, loving people to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapak Naz to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknaz.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. continue this morning and if, if you if you've been around here just a couple weeks you realize that we firmly believe that worship worship is a, a part of lifestyle and uh, it's part of our life it's what we do it's with everything that we have and so um, we encourage uh, also with our, our whoop, I'm missing something there so I'm sorry uh, and tithes and offerings as well that's that's part of our worship um, I want to talk to you briefly, real quick, um, about our Christmas challenge. Uh, a couple years ago, about two or three years ago, um, it would be three years ago now, our district superintendent, uh, Wapak Naz is a part of a district, which is a part of a, uh, a, a national and a global church called the Church of the Nazarene, and my, my boss, my, our district superintendent, um, cast a vision to our district um, about pastors, those individuals in Malawi who have not gotten educated um, or trained in leadership and in church and in theology and doctrine. And so he cast a vision that we would all come together as a district and sponsor um, individuals who need food, supplies, and books. And uh, we rallied together um, with one another and funded many, many individuals. And some of these folks that are in this picture are some of those individuals that our district, which runs from Tip City to Toledo to Mount Sterling to the edge of Indiana at Union City on both sides, um, our district supported. Fast forward to this summer. This summer we have a thing called the gathering where all the churches come together at our district center, which is only 20 minutes away at at St. Mary's. And we go through this wonderful week of worship and teachings and each um, each session, our district superintendent had shown um, videos from missionaries, Nazarene missionaries from all over the world. And one of those videos came from a couple from Mozambique. Um, and I don't want to butcher their names. However, the gist of their video was they were requesting prayer. They were asking for prayer because they were in the midst of a construction project of a district center in Mozambique. In fact, Mozambique is one of Africa's, actually it's in fact Africa's largest growing Church of the Nazarene. In fact, uh, they have 228,451 Nazarene members um, in the population, which is about 37 million. It's n- it, it's not a lot of people, and there is a massive movement of God in northern Mozambique. And there's about 2,000 pastors right now who don't have any training whatsoever. Um, anywhere between um, 
2,000 pastors that want want to be launched and about 1,500, I should say, that don't have any training at this point. They don't have any training in how to teach and how to lead um, doctrine, theology, but they know they're called to be pastors and they want to serve. And so Jeff, um, during a big day where all of the pastors from our district come in, uh, together and get trained in leadership. We actually heard a CEO from, from Chick-fil-A and talked about leadership skills and things like that. During that big day, he cast the vision for us, for our district, another vision. And that vision was these pastors in Mozambique, the 2,000 and particularly 1,500 that have yet to be trained, um, they are looking to be trained at this district center. And you can see some pictures here of individuals from Melange, which is in, in Mozambique, who went through a leadership seminar. And this is the administration hall that has been completed and the library that is ready for books. But it is this phase of the construction for the district center, the students dormitory, which is 26 bedrooms for 80 students, and the dining hall that has yet to be completed and actually they're getting ready to have classes in January. So our district superintendent cast this vision to complete this dormitory and this dining hall. And the vision was $80,000 to complete this, this entire dining hall, which includes electricity, plumbing, um, food, bedding, all these things so that this thing can get up and running for these students that are in need in Mozambique, again, in Africa's largest growing Church of the Nazarene. And so he cast this vision, and I'm sitting there with my wife and with Matthew, and he gave us cards. I thought, wow, this is a, this is a pretty big endeavor. And uh, so um, the ironic thing that he mentioned at the end of this vision was that those individuals that were at the Central um, Theological uh, College in Malawi that our district funded three years ago to get educated are graduating this December. And they are being sent from Malawi to Mozambique to train these pastors. And so it seems like our district is, is, is funneling um, funds and impacting uh, not only Northern Africa, but Southern Africa. Um, and we're a part of that. And so I prayed while sitting at that table, and I thought, man, this is something that we can do, that we can get behind, that we can help out with. And so our Christmas challenge for the month of December, this is the first Sunday of December all the way through the very end of, the, of December, our Christmas challenge is to take part in the funding of this district center. Primarily, it's not just the district center, it's what's behind the district center. It's, it's the fact that these students who have been called to get be, be pastors, who have no idea how to do it, have no theological training, they just know they need to do it. It's about getting them educated, trained in leadership, and then sending them out into northern Mozambique. The nearest district center for these people is 900 miles away. And I, I just kind of want to let you know that this population, 70% live in poverty. One-third are severely malnutrition. And about 50% of the population don't have access to clean water. 
So they cannot fund or raise funds themselves. They're in dire straits. And so our district is coming alongside of them and partnering with them. Our challenge, your challenge, my challenge for the month of December is to give 4,000 of that 80,000 for the completion of this district center. And so when I sat there at that table and I had that card and I prayed and I was like, Lord, what do you want us to do? I'll let you into my mind. We can do 2,000. That's easy. Four? Now that's pushing it. That's, that's pushing our hearts. That's pushing our faith. And Lord, we want to see you come through. So instead of writing two, I wrote four because I thought we can do it but I know it would be a stretch so I'm asking that you be a part of this this goal of 4,000 of the 80,000 that will go to this district center that will complete this center so that these folks can be sent out in northern Mozambique where there's a huge uprising of the church of the Nazarene people are coming to Christ and they're being baptized and they need people to lead them and so these 2,000 pastors, they need trained. And the folks that we funded several years ago are the ones that are going to be training them, which is pretty awesome. So I'd like to pray. And I'd like for you to pray. And I'd like for you to ask the Lord, hey, what can I do and how can I be a part of this? Would you mind? All right, Father. Lord, Wapaknaz is on the corner of Court and Benton in Wapakoneta, Ohio, in Northwest Ohio, in Ohio, in the Midwest, in America. And Mozambique is, it's a long way away. But you are just the same there. And you are moving in mighty ways there. We as a local church are a part of a global church and we're a part of the kingdom. Lord, will you move our hearts, not just for our own community, but for those that are thousands and thousands of miles away, that are praying to you, the same God that we are. So will you use us and will you move us? And so I, I pray that for myself as well and my wife. Will you help us land what you would desire for us to give to this project? I ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Now you can do this in a couple different ways. There are envelopes, tithing envelopes. You can just write um, Christmas Challenge or Mozambique or Mo. Uh, you can go online to wapaknaz.org backslash give. There's a line item that says Christmas Challenge Mozambique. And this is open through the month of December. This is our challenge. Um, in the past, we've been challenged to do weekend meals where we funded um, the weekend meals through the middle school where kids get dis uh, meals discreetly put in their, 
their lockers uh, on Fridays so that they can have food through the weekend. We've uh, one of our Christmas challenges were for the Family Life Center to help fund them to get an actual place where they can have brick and mortar and serve our community. So this is in line of the things that we've done. This is, I think, probably the first time that we've done a, a, a Christmas challenge for a global portion of the Church of the Nazarene. But I firmly believe that you and I, as we pull together over the course of the month, can uh, get that goal of, of $4,000 so that we can give that to our district and they can ship it down there and, and have the completion of that. With that said, uh, good morning. Oh, there it is. There it is. <laughs> um, last week, uh, if you were not a part of last week's service, um, I highly, highly recommend that you either go to wapaknaz.org uh, or to Spotify or iTunes and search Wapak Naz in both of the Spotify and iTunes and listen to our first segment where we interviewed two of our teenagers, um, Nathan Wisner and Travis Link. Um, and it was a story of transformation of one young man's journey into um, the darkness of Satanism and witchcraft and suicide. Um, and emerged because he met the Lord Jesus Christ and was transformed. And uh, it is that story and that journey that is, that is being told. Um, and I would highly suggest you go and listen to that. Wow, what a, what a transformation uh, and, and meeting the Lord Jesus Christ. And so um, this is our series, Hero. And Nathan would not call himself a hero. Um, and that's one of the qualities of a hero. I'd like to, to, to read you a story of, of an actual human hero. Her name's Heidi Johnston. She's a 49-year-old stay-at-home mom. And one January afternoon, she witnessed a truck go into the Humboldt Bay off near uh, Eureka, California, into the 51-degree waters and begin to drift away. Heidi Johnston, the stay-at-home mom, ran out, climbed down, the rock slide and uh, dove into the water and uh, swam out to the truck. The 78-year-old man was unresponsive when she arrived. She somehow rolled down the driver's seat window, partially inserted her body into the truck, unlatched the seat belt, grabbed the man with two hands with his vest and pulled him out. And shortly thereafter, the truck began to get submerged and she swam to the front end of the truck and with one arm around him was holding him and keeping him from going under. Another man from the side saw this going down, dove into the frigid waters to help her keep the man afloat. A boater that was passing by came in and pulled all three of them safely onto the boat. Medics had taken the man, the 78-year-old unresponsive man, to the hospital for treatment, and Heidi Johnston was treated for just a severe cold and a cut on her forearm. This is just one of the 10,256 stories of the Carnegie Heroes awardees. And in fact, since 1904, in the inception of the Carnegie Hero Award Fund, uh, many men and women who have uh, been human heroes have been honored, whether posthumously 
or in person. Carnegie, Andrew Carnegie, um, a name from our history books, uh, was so moved from uh, a tragedy that happened in the suburb of Pittsburgh. A coal mine, a Harwick coal mine had blown up and 179 people died in the coal mine explosion. Two individuals that uh, were native to Pittsburgh heard the explosion and ran toward the coal mine seeking to save and rescue anyone that was a survivor. Those two individuals, Daniel Lyle and Selwyn Taylor, eventually succumbed to the gases from the explosion and they themselves in the rescue died. Carnegie was moved not only for the widows and the orphans of those coal miners that were lost and so donated about $40,000 to the fund. A few months later, he was moved by Selwyn and by uh, Daniel that he created the Carnegie Heroes Fund Award. And through much research and endeavors through social psychologists and even Hollywood with their fictional heroes, no one can define a hero. But since 1904, the Carnegie Hero Fund has defined a hero, 117 years. And this is their definition. A man or a woman that willingly and knowingly risks their life to an extraordinary degree to save or attempt to save the life of another. When he wrote his deed of trust in 1904, he said this. We live in a, hero in a heroic age. Not seldom are we thrilled by the deeds of heroism where men and women are injured or lose their lives in attempting to preserve or rescue their fellows. Such the heroes of civilization. Now all awardees are awarded with a financial stipend, but they also receive this medallion. This is the Carnegie uh, Heroes Medallion. It's a bronze medallion, which on the relief you see Carnegie, Andrew Carnegie. But on the backside, on the backside of this, this large medallion is the name of, of the human hero. And it's the name of those that they sought to rescue. The location and the act of rescue. But around on the outside, the outer edges of that medallion, says this greater love hath no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friends this statement was said by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on the night of his arrest to his disciples while they were around the table having the last supper I don't know if Andrew Carnegie understood it or not but he linked the human hero to the hero of humanity. And each of these 10,256 human heroes give us a glimpse, a glimpse of the hero of humanity. In fact, when you begin to read and look at all their stories starting in 1904 all the way to 2020, and read these stories, these heroic acts and you start to look at social psychologists and neuroscientists, you actually find that there are qualities of a hero that mirror 
the qualities of the hero of humanity. Selflessness and self-sacrifice. Of the 10,256 Carnegie Medals that were awarded, 20% of them were awarded posthumously, meaning they had died in their act. In fact, when presenting a medal to one of the heroes, Antonio Morgan, for saving a young man from a burning vehicle, a St. Louis City Councilwoman said this of Morgan. His unselfish love was rare. His sacrifice was rare. In fact, you find not only the theme of selflessness and self-sacrifice, you you find a quality of courage and fortitude, mental and emotional strength in adversity. Michael Keaton, who actually portrayed uh, Batman on the silver screen, was speaking at the 10,000th and 10,001st awarding of the Carnegie Medallion. And he said that the common denominator of heroism is courage. You would think that heroism, in heroism, there would be a little bit more of a, a pride or an arrogance. But in fact, it's the opposite. There's humility. You sat here last week and you listened to the humility of Nathan and said, I'm not a hero. I was just being a bro, right? I was being a friend. Well, Jeffrey Johnston, Johnson said this of himself. I don't think of myself as a hero. I was just trying to help another person. I had to do something. Philip DeLuca, another awardee, said I was doing what I was taught to do. Christine Marty, a 20-year-old college student who had rescued a 69-year-old trapped in a car during a flash flood, said this. I was thankful that I was able to act and not think about it. And then Heidi Johnston, the one that we, from the story that we heard earlier, she said, sometimes you, you have to do what you have to do. I'm a mom. I want to save everybody. You don't even think you just do. There's a lot of humility in these heroes that are human heroes that give us a glimpse to the hero of humanity. Jesus Christ is not the hero redefined. Jesus Christ himself defines what it means to be a hero. And all these human heroes give a glimpse, just a a small sliver of a glimpse of who the true hero of humanity is the one that was sent, that walked across the cosmos, that came in the most vulnerable way possible as an infant, as a baby, homeless at his own birth, right? And so today, we begin, we we continue our Advent season. And over the course of the rest of this month, we're gonna look at the qualities of Jesus Christ, the hero of humanity. Important qualities that you and I, we will learn today that we can bear those qualities. We can have those qualities in our own life. They're so important. And Christmas, Christmas is the origin story of Jesus Christ. And so here, like I read last week, compiled several scriptures together that are his origin story. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made. Galatians 4.4, but when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman. John 1.14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. While they, Joseph and Mary, were there, Bethlehem, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger. Heavenly Father, as we move forward, I ask that your word speak deep into our, our being, into our DNA, to those areas that are so dark that no one knows except you and them. Will you illuminate that? Will you speak into us? Father, I love you. I trust you. And may we carry what we learn today, what we hear today, the beating of our heart. May we carry that out and act on it. We ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. On the sixth day, God made man in his likeness. And after the fall, Genesis chapter 3, you know that moment when Adam and Eve took the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that forbidden fruit, and they ate. From that point forward, man who was made in God's image began to make gods in our own image moving away from their creator. And so, God chose to do the impossible. God, in the most poetic moment ever in human history, took on flesh and became human with pains and screams and, yes, blood and afterbirth. It wasn't as clean as the nativity scenes on your front yards, right? It wasn't as serene and silent. It was definitely not a silent night. For those of you moms, you understand, right? He came in the most human way possible. God infiltrated space and time and history, and he became... He became human. In fact, Paul, Paul says this, the Apostle Paul, who was a Christian killer and persecutor, turned disciple maker and church planner. What a story of transformation. He said this about Christ, who is the Son of God, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 8. But I want us to focus in that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who being in the very nature of God, he was made in human likeness, being found in the appearance of of man as a man in fact in the author of hebrews in hebrews chapter 2 verse 14 through 16 he said that jesus shared in our humanity so let me ask you a question why would god become human why would god step into the human world, full of violence, corruption, oppression, 
suffering, pain? Why would God become human? Why would he come in the way he did? I mean, wouldn't it make a little bit more sense if God came in all his godness and all his power and all his might? If I wrote the story, that's probably the way I would have God come to humanity. Kind of like the second coming would be. Loud trumpets, archangel, fire, brimstone, four horsemen. I mean, that's a good story. I think that's the way I would have God come the first time. But why would God become human and why would he come the way he came? Well, heroes can't save from a distance, can they? Heroes can't take the weight of the world on their shoulders without being in the world, can they? Heroes actually have to get up close and personal in the mess and chaos. That's how heroes enter in and become the hero of the story, right? He can't save from a distance. He's got to be up close and personal. So, why would God become human? Well, there's so much meaning to why he would step into the oppression, why he would step into the suffering. There's so much meaning to why God became like man. Often, when we think in terms of celebrating God's arrival to humanity, and I do this myself, that I often process Christmas now I, I, can, I can see and know what God is like. When I read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and I watch Jesus interact with people, I, I, I know what God is like because of that. But Jesus didn't merely come in the way that he did so that we would know what God is like and who he is. Now, don't get me wrong. It's true. It's like that conversation that Philip had with Jesus toward the end of his ministry. Actually, on that last night, Philip said, Jesus, just, just show us the Father. And Jesus said, Philip, don't you know me yet? And essentially, he, he told Philip and the rest of the crew, minus Judas, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, Right? Yes, that's true. That's part of what Christmas is, that we see the Father. However, it's not merely that. It's so that you and I understand that God understands us. This, this is what we call empathy. Empathy is compassion itself is, is love in action, right? But see, empathy is the deepest level of knowing. It's actually seeing the world from another's, another's vantage point. It's actually an exchange. Empathy is an exchange of internal worlds. 
And it's the deepest level of knowing. It's quintessential wisdom to navigate the human dilemma that all of us, if you're in this room or you're listening, you are involved in the human dilemma. Whether you're a teenager, a kid, or a senior, or somewhere in between, we're involved in the human dilemma. Empathy is wisdom that helps us navigate this dilemma. Neuroscience is caught up with Jesus. See, there's a neuroscientist and researcher, Abigail Marsh from the Georgetown University, studying two different types of brains. The brain of a psychopath, I'm involved in that study, by the way. I'm just kidding. The brain of a psychopath and the brain of a hero. And she's found in this tiny structure at the base of the brain called the amygdala. She's found that in this structure, this particular structure, this is where we experience fear. But it's also where we empathize with other people's fear. And the psychopath's amygdala is a lot smaller than normal. And in case you've been following the line of thought, the hero, their amygdala, is a little bit larger than normal. Other neuroscience research has shown that the the medial prefrontal cortex of the brain In heroism, this is where we actually see and understand how people are like us or unlike us. Neuroscience essentially is saying that one of the qualities of a hero is empathy. Erwin McManus, he's a profound, prolific writer, pastor. In his recent book, The Genius of Jesus, he actually says that one aspect of Jesus' genius is his empathy. And actually, empathy is one of the highest forms of intellect. All that to say, the quality of Jesus being empathetic, like us, understanding us, having first-hand knowledge about us. It helps us understand to know that God understands us in our pain, in our loss, in our grief, in our loneliness, in our questions, in our doubts. Why? Because he's had first-hand experience. He's experienced tenderness and kindness. But he's also experienced betrayal from a friend and denial by a confidant. He's experienced grief, profound grief. As he entered into the city of Jerusalem, he wept. He experienced grief when he lost his cousin, John the Baptist, and a dear friend, Lazarus. He experienced the loneliness that many of us feel in our suffering when we say, where are you, God? Where are you in all of this? As Jesus was up on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
And if you've ever experienced shame and guilt, that's what Jesus took on his shoulders when he died on the cross for us. He took the shame and the guilt of all humanity on his own. Folks, Jesus became human to empathize with you so that you know that he understands that he knows where you are because he's been where you are he understands the human heart because he had the human heart it's no wonder that when Jesus said come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light when he said those words he understood the human experience he didn't say these things from an ivory tower or a cosmic throne but he said these things with feet on the ground eyeball to eyeball with humanity when he came he was a mirror to us so that we can see us for ourselves and who we truly are but also that we can see what it really means to be human and that we can be holy and whole as humans he really was teaching us a way a new way to be human in a corrupt oppressive judgmental critical world one glance at Facebook or social media you see it you look at the news you feel it he came in such a way that he empathizes with us but shows us a new way to be human Erwin McManus kind of goes a little bit further with the genius of Jesus. See, if you sat down with Mozart, Picasso, maybe even Einstein or Stephen Hawking, if you spent years with them, none of us will be able to become a prolific composer, writer, painter, scientist. I mean, if you sat down with MJ, Michael Jordan, and for those of you who are LeBron friends, I'm just going to say MJ. I said it, all right? If you sit with MJ for any length of period of time, you ain't going to go into the NBA, are you? Here's the genius of Jesus. These qualities of a hero that we're going to walk through today being empathy, the genius of Jesus is that his genius transfers. It transmits to you and me. Because any time with Jesus and you align your heart with him, his genius moves into us. Right? Watch this. It says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 8, that he was being made in human likeness. God came like into humanity like a human, right? 
to humanity who was making God in, in their image. And Jesus came in our image so that he could reflect the image of God. And so that you and me can be transformed into his likeness. We have forgotten what it means to be created in the image of God. Look around. Look at the world. We have forgotten that we were created with value and dignity and respect. We were created to worship. We were created to know God and to experience him in a very, very real way. And Jesus came in. And he said, first, I want you to know that I understand where you are because I've been where you are. We have an exchange of internal worlds. I've had the deepest level of knowing humanity because I was human. But I want you to remember, I don't want you to forget that you can be transformed into my likeness. That my genius, my empathy can move right into you if you just align your heart with me. That's the beauty of Jesus. That's the beauty of the story of Christmas. That's the beauty of his spirit. That's the profoundness of who Jesus is. Jesus came like us so that we understand that he understands what it means to be us. But he also came to reflect us, to show us how far we've gone away from his image. But in relationship with him, we can be more like him over our lifetime. I've heard it said by many people that I've been close to, I'm not compassionate, I'm not empathetic, just suck it up and move on, right? Wipe the tears from your eyes and just, let's just go. I've seen those people who have said those things and their relationship with Jesus become more and more and more empathetic and compassionate with people. That's the genius of Jesus. That you can become like him and that quality of a hero. Which means, guess what? If he's the hero of humanity, you can be a hero in somebody else's life. Yeah, you. If that's who he is, that's who we can be. Often Jesus said, as I have loved, so you love. As I live, so you live. As I serve, so you serve. Guess what? As I am a hero, I want you to go out and be empathetic. Have heroic empathy with humanity because guess what? The person that's in line, that's yelling and screaming their head off at the, the clerk, they're just like you, right? So would you please stand bow your heads and your hearts and as we close today
I'd ask that you pray a very simple prayer. Jesus, make me like you. Jesus, make me like you. Just have that conversation. Make me like you. Jesus, as you empathize with humanity by coming as a human, will you transform our hearts to be more empathetic, to have that exchange of internal worlds, to see someone from their vantage point, to not be quick to be critical and judgmental, pause to process where they are just maybe they're having a hard day or a hard week or a hard life and they haven't gotten a second chance Lord may we as followers of you be quick to be empathetic and compassionate to our neighbor, to someone that may not be like us. Lord, help us find those things that we can identify with them to change the story in their life and to change the story in ours. Jesus, help will you make us like you, please. We ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Folks, we love you. We're so glad that we've been able to be with you today and that we worship together, our Lord and our God. Will you please love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength this week? And will you please love your neighbor as yourself? Have a wonderful, wonderful day. We'll see you next week. Preschool program next Sunday. It's going to be awesome. Have a great, great day. Thank you for listening to the Wapak Nas podcast. We hope you were moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future he has for you and that you were moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community and to love people to Jesus.